Shop of love and let you lick the lollipop of his voice. That's Slim, the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 86. Welcome to the show, papercake.com. You know, we talk about industry news, the books we're reading, and we do a little, little something called a book club. Uh, this week, Terry Moore. You ever heard of him? Hmm? Strangers <laughs> in Paradise. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You know, uh, we're just three friends that just love to talk about comics and late-breaking Nia's. And uh, later in the show, we'll, we'll take your letters live. One of our um, favorite segments of the show. Least favorite. Write to Just friends. Write to a Flat vote. out. Um, so let's introduce that voice you just heard. He's, you know, just a dear friend. Thank you. He's inarguably the most disliked member of the show. Um... Just listen back to the archives to judge for yourself. Dale underscore a VP of merchandise. Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you for letting me be here under such uh, dis- you dislike me so much, but yet you still have me, and I thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that Cheshire grin. That was, that was some extreme Cheshire that I just saw. Uh, last host this evening... He's got the palest face I've ever seen in a human being right now. <laughs> it's, it's a it's pallor. Like, it's like you're developing film in that room and you're using the incorrect light bulb. Uh, he's in a top secret society that he loves to tell you about. He's fanfic aficionado. Uh, he's addicted to alcohol. Jonesy loves beer. Thanks for being here. Thank you, uh, gentlemen, for having me on the show, as always. Uh, drink up McAllen Scotch. <laughs> uh, what a show we have. Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise. Yeah? Jonesy's been waiting to read this for so long. It's not it's even at funny. Volume 450. How, why am I waiting so long to read it now? Um... You know, your doctor told you you're in peak physical condition, so you'd have all the time in the world. Clean bill of health. I should start reading. <laughs> you better get on it now. Time's uh, ticking. I just want to say thanks to everyone that listens and you know, that has rated the show. You know, retweeted us. You know, uh, I saw Seth Breed's love. He gave a shout out to Jim Zubkovich. You know? Yeah. Someone, someone's arch nemesis, but I don't want to name any names. Dun, Mark. Dun, dun. Uh, what's happening in the world of news? Dale underscore VP of merch. VP of uh, segues over here. Let us get to the news. Uh, first up, and and probably 
one of the biggest talking points of my new segments this evening. Okay? Yeah, I'm ready. Matt of the Year, Matt Fraction, was once uh, so low and uh, at the bottom of my creator rung. Yeah. Has clawed and climbed his way to the very tip top. And now he's trying to score one for the good guys in regards to his interview with the L.A. Times about uh, making comic issues more approachable for the uh, for the everyday Joe who maybe hasn't read a comic and uh, lessening the stress and impact on making a user, uh, a reader, feel overwhelmed by picking up issue uh, 700 of Amazing Spider-Man, if you get my drift. I'm uh, getting the drift. I'm getting what you're putting down. And if uh, you guys have uh, read any Hawkeye like you should have, um, Hawkeye is probably the uh, the number one example of what Matt Fraction is talking about. He's putting his thoughts into action and he is basically he's not writing for the trade air quotes he's not um oh how do you say he's not just completely leaving uh each and every issue kind of a one-sixth of a whole story where if you picked up the third or fourth issue in a story uh you probably feel confused as to what's going mm-hmm. on and he says, uh, you know, basically at this point, the price point of comics and the page length, uh, we're just at a place where uh, we gotta, they got to start stepping up their game, basically. And I think he's going to try to start taking that charge. He's, uh, he's not defending anyone. He's saying Marvel's got to do it. DC's got to do it. Everybody's got to do it. And he... Um, he wants to appeal to the masses. I mean, and now's the time with digital comics, the reach that that that's had. They're in France now. I don't know if you heard. Who is? Comicsology. Huh. Disclaimer: I work for Comicsology. Yeah, get that S-eating grin off your face right now. Can we go <laughs> ahead and promote the flap while we're at it? Let's just get it all in there. I didn't promote the other podcast. I do. So you just sit down and you cool out right now, my friend. Jonesy, what do you? Th- you're a master of the fanfic. What do you think about Fraction's thoughts on on how to write for the new reader? I agree with him, and I'm not a Fraction fanboy. But you hate him. You yeah, you hate him. I, hey, listen, he's not the maestro. That's all I'm trying to say. But mm. uh, he's right. I mean, we're at we're on the cusp of comics really breaking out, and digital is really. Digital is for the newbies, the new folks, the, what they need to get into it. Um, you know, old print guys like us aren't going to be the new type of people reading. So I would want to pick up Hawkeye at, you know, issue six because I'm not afraid of the number six. And if it's a story I can jump into, then I might get seven, eight, nine, or go get another Marvel title. So if we want to sustain the thing we love, then we should always be trying to get new readers. And if that means bucking the trade and, and doing onesies, then I think Matt Fraction is absolutely right, and I think he's just echoing what a lot of people feel already. Hmm. I think um, if I could quote Mr. Sue DeConnick, uh specifically, I think it's really difficult to do, but I think it's possible. I think we as an industry fell into this pattern 
of not caring about new readers anymore. There's a way you can do it that isn't clumsy, awkward way that it used to be done where characters refer to themselves in the third person, thinking back on who they are and how they came to be. You don't have to write every comic as if it's the first time someone's ever read a comic, but you do have to write as though you would like new people to read your comic, which is kind of what Hawkeye is all about. What else is happening uh, in the comics industry, Dale Underscray? You're on the cusp. I'm on the cusp of uh, getting moved along in my next news uh, segment. It looks this the 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 if I could stutter over myself the the move the maneuver you're in right now with that microphone it looks like you're talking into a well like you're talking down into a well and we're in the well right now I'm I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at my pub table I do apologize it's temporary housing for my podcast equipment so How's I'm, your desk? Did you finish your desk? Your official podcasting desk? I it's it's finished but just everything around it is not finished. Uh, so we'll, say, we'll save me. that for another podcast we do called The Flap. Check it out. Hashtag The Flap. It's everybody. It's gold, everybody, i got to tell you. Uh, the DC Nation, um, some other folks could be really uh, PO'd about this. Not necessarily anyone who's ever been on this show before because the three of us never really uh, you know, got all heated about that. But uh, yeah. Young Justice and Green Lantern officially nixed on the, the uh, Cartoon Network scheduling block. Mm. And uh, I know they were big fan favorites. Young Justice was, uh, oh, I don't know, just huge in uh, circles. Jones, you love those shows, right? I actually did love both of those. I thought uh, Young Justice was phenomenal. They did something <laughs> in the set. Phenomenal. <laughs> Drink when Josie says phenomenal. <laughs> clip that out, please. Yeah, I will. Uh, however... Have about you? that heavenly face of yours. Uh, <laughs> while I'm trying to talk into the mic and try to be serious at the same time, uh, they did something really cool in the second season. They like did like a five year jump, and uh, I thought that was crazy for what is essentially a kids' cartoon. It was very adult material. It was a lot like, um, and I think, I think Paul Shirley said this on the Twitter. So I don't want. I'm, I think I'm quoting him, but he said it was a lot like uh, Justice League Unlimited where it was just a different level of storytelling and it was it was really quite good but it fell into the trap of um you know Saturday morning cartoons so if you weren't a young kid you really weren't watching it you might not have gotten it so whereas Justice League really I think it benefited from that cartoon network primetime slot where guys like us could watch it i just think these cartoons were you know not in a place to get a lot of viewers i listened to that Nerdist, I think, has like a writing podcast that just is specifically geared towards writing. Mm-hmm. And they had the Man of Action guys on there, Joe Casey, Joe um, Stephen T. Siegel, and they used to do comics and still do sometimes. And they're executive producer producing the new Avengers animated show. And that one, the good one, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, was great in the first season. And then it went, it got weird in the second season. And then they canceled it for this new show. And they had said that they, like, in particular, they mentioned that Earth's Mightiest Heroes was really good, but it was geared towards the comic fan. Mm. Yeah. And, and the new one is going to be specifically geared towards, you know, kind of like the ultimate Spider-Man crowd. Right. Which is a totally different show. And right. it sounds like the the Justice, or the, um whatever the one with the five years ahead, Young Justice, that just wasn't, in particular, geared towards kids in the way that, was making them successful, I guess. No, it was absolutely geared to the 
Mark Farrington, you yeah. know, lifelong fan who wanted a lot of winks and a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of serious stories. And they got it. They got what they wanted for two seasons. But, you know, it, think of it now. We're 30-year-old dads. We're watching shows with our kids. I'm not going to let my son watch Young Justice just yet. It's a little too mature for him. So, yeah, that's specifically, you know. I think, Joe Casey said, you know, we shouldn't be making shows for people that are already in the in the business that we want them in. We should be making shows for the kids that aren't in it yet, and we need to pull them in because right. they're the future of the business or there isn't one. I agree. And, you know, in one half, it sucks because, you know, we all grew up on comics as fanboys, and as, our, as we grow up, we desire more mature storylines. Sexy and ones. It's definitely sexy, sexy, ultra sexy if we could get it, a new mm. level of sexy, if you will. But uh, we forget, you know, it's um, it's a lot of times it's like the tail wagging the dog. The smallest amount of people are the most vocal, so they're going to get what they want because of the loudest and they complain the most. And our industry, we can talk right to our creators. Yeah, you can't do that anywhere else. So I, I feel like the vocal minority has a lot of influence on the comics industry. And uh, I think, you know, this map fraction and uh, canceling these shows might be us coming around to the fact that we need to make sure we're not eating the unborn. You know what I mean? Oh we're God. grooming There's, a, the there's a lot of metaphors and euphemisms coming out of this conversation I'm not ready for. You know, I had a cup of coffee, so I am, like, dialed in right now. So just everybody <laughs> relax. Let's let's ride the train. What did you read this week? Jonesy loves beer. I considered Can you imagine taking... Jonesy at union meetings? He's just dropping all kinds of... <laughs> verbiage and and talk synergy synergy (laughs) anyway i considered lifting your embargo on invincible to talk about the issue 100 it's a big Mm -hmm. issue big issue but instead i'm going to talk about mara issue number two (laughs) which will soon be embargoed because i mentioned it more than once (laughs) and the pronunciation cracks me up Mara. mara 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 Mara? Mara? What do you guys say? Whatever you want, babe. I'd ask Brian Wood directly <laughs> if I were you. Cabinet, babe. So, anyhow, Mara picks up uh, directly after issue one ends. The world knows now that something is up with her. Uh, in the previous issue, the cliffhanger was that she was exhibiting super speed while playing in a volleyball game. So, the whole world is kind of want this demanding answers from her she's kind of still going through her routine so part of her publicist's idea of kind of getting out of the bad spotlight is to go do this training camp uh with like younger uh aspiring volleyball players and they kind of they kind of come out of these like super soldier camps for sports oh yeah so she goes back to you know, play, you know, um, games with the girls and exhibition games, I guess you want to call it. And she's under a lot of stress from another sports star who's who kind of wants her to be normal so she can kind of uh, ride her coattails. And she starts to crack, much like she did in the first game. And uh, she, like, hits a ball so hard and hits a girl and it breaks her arm. <laughs> and, like, the, like the world goes crazy and starts, like... They start start calling out her screaming or calling a cheater and, uh, you know, like she's about to snap and then she takes off and flies. So she is developing some some major superpowers. 
Mm. And uh, Brian Wood kind of shoehorned the superhero element into this book, and I'm I'm liking that it's it's slow playing it a little bit. It's it's pretty good. Brian Wood, you know, despite it all, has got some writing chops. <laughs> he does chops. He's the chopper. The oh god, what a that's my new name. Coined from Jonesy. <laughs> Uh, Dale underscore, you're the VP of merch. You you're a Twitter sensation. You're you've been called a, a retweet prostitute. Can you confirm uh, or deny that? I am only can confirm that my new husband Chris Somni and I uh, are very happy together. And uh, I don't know what else. We're just happy. I think and I, if we can get about. someone to Photoshop the movie Misery with Dale underscore A's <laughs> face on it. Maybe the scene where you break the J-Man, legs. are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> J-Man, can you make this happen, please? But uh, I mean, uh, just Chris Somney's Twitter avatar as Jimmy Khan's head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was heartbroken after Jonesy did the, the G-Damn karate chop, and I asked Brad to make a, a gif of that, and it didn't happen. What's that guy do? What's, what's he doing right now, Brad? He, he's, he's either all over you on the internet, or he's gone for like two days. Well, I think he's secretly developing new Twitter icons. Because <laughs> they go up about every 15 minutes, there's a new one. At Fiendston on the Twitter, if you're not aware, he used to draw the covers for the Paper Keg podcast. You can search them mm. on Tumblr. He's a, he's a great artist. Long he ago. is. Exceptional. Phenomenal, if oh, you will, babe. Oh, Lord. Uh, Dale, what are you reading? I wanted to talk about uh, Young Avengers. Ooh. I uh, stopped off at the LCS this Wednesday, and they had it in. Uh, they were shorted last week, if you remember last week's show. And uh, this book got a lot of buzz, and I felt like I could talk about it. And we're a little distance away from, you know, week. I, I didn't get any, I didn't get spoilt on the internet, so I went in there fresh-faced. And uh, it was a book about uh, several young people that I don't really know about. I know they, I know their names, Um and uh, the Young Avengers aren't really about an Avengers team yet. It's uh, it's like an origin kind of thing. There's uh, people, different people in different places. You got the Hulkling, which is embarrassing to say, um, but he's a scroll, a gay scroll, and he's in Girl. love with Wiccan, who is a gay witch, who is the Scarlet Witch's son, and they live together. They're seventeen. I mean, that, what's going on? They're seventeen years this old. Is Twenty. This is twenty twelve. Uh, Dale. They're they like have, he has understanding parents. They sleep in separate rooms. Come I, off it. I guess if they don't, if they have bad parents or no parents, I guess it's okay. But um, yeah. When I was seventeen, I don't. You wouldn't be let me live with my boyfriend. I'll tell you that much. I was hanging out in a, in like a trailer with my girlfriend at the time. I think night trailer. Word. <laughs> What? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, what we have here is a situation where uh, they sort of promised each other that they would not fight crime. Too ba- too many bad things have happened in the past to their friends, and they don't want to see anything bad happen to each other. Well, one of them is secretly fighting crime. The Hawkling is secretly sneaking out of his room at night and busting mm. up, uh, busting up muggings, you know, and. Uh, he can change. He can shift. He's not. Uh, he's not Hulk's son. He's not Hulk Junior, like you would think from the name. 
he can morph into different superheroes because he's a scroll, and he takes the visage of Spider-Man to bust up a mugging, and and then he, uh, his boyfriend Wiccan catches him sneaking back into his room, mm-hmm. and uh, you know after they have a little fight, a little tiff, um, Wiccan understands Hawkling's uh, angle and why he's doing what he's doing. Wiccan wants to make it up to him by uh, sort of tapping into his witchcraft powers and uh, doing something for Hulkling that uh, he normally, that no one would ever be able to do, no one would be able to fathom it. And he and he finds a point in time before Hulkling's mother is killed by a scrawl. He plucks her out of that timeline, brings her to this timeline, and uh, boom, Hulkling walks in the kitchen and there is the mother that he thought was once dead right yeah so uh all the while this is happening loki kid loki who is really loki but he's he got reversed back in time i think um i think i tried to read a thor story where that actually happened and i tried to read and i uh and then i clogged up my plumbing because i tried to flush down the (laughs) toilet um young loki detects this is happening so he's trying to stop it from happening Miss America Chavez shows up and tries to put a stop to this, and that doesn't quite work out. So, uh, Hulkling. I'm not gonna lie, this book sounds exhausting. It's crazy, but it's. it's I mean, he's engaging. literally talking about every page in the book, and he's giving you a synopsis. <laughs> what more do you need? Uh, but the last page, all right. Uh, Hulkling's mother's there. Uh, she has a problem with the two kids living together. Like Slim and I just kind of had it out about. And mm-hmm. the parents are are saying, you know, we trust these kids. They're good kids. Just let them be. Hawkling's scrawl mother basically grabs a hold of their heads and, like, liquefies the parents. Last page. Boom. Wiccan's foster parents, no more. What? It's, it was the craziest thing. Totally unexpected. Who I mean, is writing these, this book? These kids are going to be, these two lovers are going to be having a, fight in the morning when they get up is this remendo this is kieran gillen kieran gillen and jamie mckelvey amazing i want to just go on a a double date with miss america chavez and kate bishop and just treat Mm. them to just a delicious dinner and a nice walk in the park i like your style i really do are uh they they just encapsulate my mind when I read those books. <laughs> I just want to I just want to live with them and just have fun playing video games. Yeah, they're the, the they, they're actually some of the coolest characters, Kate Bishop especially, probably just because I've read more of her, but amazing. Mm. Oh god. Uh I was really surprised by this book. I loved it. And I don't care who who Wiccan is. I don't care that I had a maybe had a low opinion of him before because he had a headband. I enjoyed this book. <laughs> it's probably uh, it's probably one of the Karen Gillen books that I've read, and I can say that I've enjoyed. And I look forward to number two. Uh, let's change gears. You know, get a little violent, a little rough. Fury Max, Nick Fury. Uh, he's white. This one, this is the father of the new Nick Fury. Impossible. But this takes place in the Max universe, so you don't need to worry about any of that Marvel continuity. It opens at Garth Ennis John, 
starts out with Nick Fury kind of sitting in his hotel room with a tape recorder and he's reciting, you know, various instances and moments of his life. And the current one, the first three issues deal with him in Indochina. Mm. Um, and he goes there, he's kind of, he's kind of laying low because the people there think that if they lose this area to, to, uh, you know, to the commies, the whole, the whole, the whole area is going up. So he's kind of in charge and making, she's in there to see like, you know, how can we help these people not lose the war? Uh, and he, he befriends this hot, sexy lady who's, who's got some shenanigans happening. He has this, uh, wet behind the ears. Is it green behind the ears or wet behind the ears? It's wet, wet. behind the ears. Uh, wet behind the ears guy. So they, they go to this area where the military is pinned down and they're in a bad spot. There's not a whole lot of military, uh, placement there that he needs to investigate and see how he can help if he needs the Americans to send more ammunition, etc. So he's he's in charge and he's got to see you know how can how can we help? Chaos happens. You know the the adversary comes in and there's just blood everywhere. It's violent. One the one guy on the team is a former Nazi. What? So there's shenanigans happening that Fury needs to you know make sure that his green behind the ears friend doesn't get into it with him. So is he like um, racist racist shenanigans? There are some racist shenanigans, but Max Universe. It, fe- it feels like I don't I don't I've never read any of the Nick Fury stuff from back in the day, but this was I think it's really excellent. The Garth Ennis was like born to write this stuff because he's a he's a history nut and he he's able to write these stories in historical instances that fit very well and the the Fury's job, he actually even like spoilers. He f- he fails to hold the line with this small team, um, and so he loses. And like you know, most of his team is killed and murdered and beheaded. My and word. you know, they reveal like this is the beginnings of Vietnam. Like at, when he loses, like the guys that take over this fort, they pretty much just kick him in the pants and send him into the forest past all the people from his team that had died and been beheaded so it was like a uh the 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 first chapter ends with fury with like a big loss under his belt Mm -hmm. like it shows fury at at a weakest at like a weak point which is pretty cool because you don't really see that in the comics except for maybe like the shield helicarrier crashing for the hundredth time you know in like you know a midwest town i mean who cares about that crap yeah because he's always got a plan he's always got a backup he's always got something he can do or call at the last minute. He's got a clone. Life model decoy. This sounds interesting to me, and uh, this might be something I get into. Like, I the what was it, the new Avengers or Avengers when Bendis tried writing, like, Fury and Sabretooth and all them back in... Yeah, the original Avengers team. Yeah, Yeah. that was, that, like, totally fell flat for me. But this kind of sounds like, is this before he starts, like, juicing up with his uh, forever serum or whatever? They, I don't think he's ever going to get into it because the Max stuff is like the bare bones of a character. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even get into anything superhero ish. Mm. Like there's no mention of a Spider-Man or Captain America. It's just Fury in the military doing military things and just being a badass wearing a Hawaiian shirt and khakis. And what more can you ask for? Yeah, and like nothing. Like you said, it might have had a Hawaiian shirt. It might fit the bill great because, like you said, if Garth Ennis is such a history nut, it might. It might be cool, like, steeped in history like that, kind of like 
those first few issues of Before Watchmen, you know, it's mm. uh, it kind of like just blends in so well with actual real life history, which is pretty great. I'm gonna check this out. Do it, Jonesy. Did you ever read any of the Max stuff? I read Punisher Born, which was an uh, oh was yeah. a great uh, Max title. <sighs> and what else was there? A uh, oh, Alias we just read. I think that's it. Just Punisher Max. Punisher what Max, a... Punisher Were Born was good, and I remember reading some of the Aaron Punisher stuff, which was really excellent. But I, uh, that that just got added to the app too. The last issue of Punisher Born, I, I actually think about it a lot. It was like one of those pages that kind of changes your idea of what comics are. I don't know if you remember the scene, but oh yeah, the Colonel who is going to send um, Frank's team back to the states like even though that you know there's a bunch of u.s soldiers like raping and killing in vietnam and frank Mm. is kind of and his group are going and kind of reining them in you know friendly fire and whatnot but trying to like get the u.s under control the colonel comes and he's like you guys have done your job we're sending you home so before the colonel's official orders can go out frank's like drowns him in a pond so they, oh they can keep going back and, like, rain Does and he order drink? in. Wait, uh, is this another one? I remember a scene, maybe maybe both happened, but I remember him leading one of the colonels up on a hill. Yeah. And did, oh, you're right. He yeah, drowned he's, another guy He stood in front of the sign that said, like, you know, live rounds this way, or, like, this is the hot sniper spot. And he's like, sends the colonel up there to go check something out, and the colonel gets shot in the head, and then that's that. So now they can stay. It's uh, it's just a great story. And it's the like, ending, the ending was the real like twist. This was like the kind of twist where people say like, you know, Clark Kent isn't the secret identity, or Superman is the secret identity, all that junk. Right. But, they that you realize that the only thing keeping the monster inside of Frank was his family. So you know, the death of his family didn't create the Punisher. They were just kind of like a, a cork on the bottle. And then mm-hmm. that was removed when they died. It, wow. And they even insinuated, out. he insinuated too that like the, there was just this entity, this darkness talking to Frank during the series, which, you know, was either was the Punisher inside of him, like the dark, the darkness. And then at the end he like made a deal. It's, I read it like and he, when he got home, he saw his family. He was about to see his family. He's like, you, you know, you know of a way to let me out, Frank. You know, like you, we can make this all come back. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you know what needs to happen. And then the next scene is like him looking at his family. Like there was, it was insinuated that he knew that his family had to die for him to become Punisher, which is really wacky. Yeah, it was, and it it made you think, wow, what Mm. we should do that for a book club. We might have to. Yeah, I think you just did it for a book club. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two sentences or less. Lightning round. We're running out of tape. The three of us. Three friends forever. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. What else did you read this week? Superior Spider-Man issue number two. I wonder if the fan outcry had a lot to do with this story arc seemingly wrapping up so quickly. Sorry, fellas, there's no MJ hard R in this issue. Spoilers. Our spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Avenging Spider-Man number 16. The editorial staff of the Spidey Books 
are probably about 50% of the reason why Spider-Man is so awesome. I think you guys should read this and enjoy the X-Men crossover within. The Dark Knight, Batman. The Mad Hatter gouges someone's eyes out in the last page. Gouges. As he's wont to do. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Uh, Strangers in Paradise. Terry Moore. Let's talk about it right now. You know, Southern fellow. Um, Jonesy, are you in a book club? We are. Um, You know, this book has like 300 volumes out right now. I think entire libraries are dedicated to this series. You, uh, you'd have to go. It, it'd be like you're trout fishing in the middle of the stream <laughs> to get in there and just wade in and try to pick out which books to get. Yeah, we're gonna Jonesy, help you. I I had talked to Mandy, Mandy Boo, you know, friend of the show. She loves the Strangers in Paradise, and I had talked to her. You know, should we read just volume one or or volume two? Also, spoilers: volume two is like two hundred pages. Ooh, and, and so she's like, you should read both because once you finish one, you'll want to move to the second one. So I had to make an executive decision that there's just no time for us to read 200 pages of volume two. And so that's why you're the editor. Volume one. What's what's the story about, Jonesy? What's, what's Strangers in Paradise? All right. So picture four polar extreme versions of stereotypes. Picture the militant, man-hating, feminist lesbian. Picture the bubbly girl next door that just needs love and uh, appreciation. Picture the stereotypical man-dog who only wants money, power, and sex. And then a picture of the ultimate poetic man-child. And then throw them in a story together... And see how it shakes out. Uh, Strangers in Paradise is a romantic comic book that chronicles the lives of two best friends, uh, Francine and Cachu, and the men that <laughs> that rotate in and out of their lives. And the comic book uh, element is kind of told in the kind of fantasies that they spin and daydreams that they have. And the first arc is about the breakup of Freddie and Francine, the two polar characters that play the girl that just wants to be defined by a man and the worst man to ever exist on the planet. (laughs) And one of the things that is great about Strangers in Paradise is that the only people that come out clean at the end of this are the ones that change or their characters develop at all, which is in the end is only really Francine. So the characters are uh, lovable, but not likable. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard book to give a synopsis of because so many different small things happen, but you have to read it to get it. It's, it's, it was, in my opinion, this is a book that you don't need to follow, but you could read. It's a very quick read. You could read it every week, and it's like checking into your favorite. And I don't want to 
downgrade the book or I don't want to make it sound trivial when I say this, but it's like your favorite soap opera that you wouldn't mind checking in for 20 minutes to see how these people's lives are spinning out of control because of the crazy choices they make. Hmm. But I want to hear from one man, and that's <laughs> Dale underscore it. Oh, my goodness. How fastball. Wow. Just th- totally corkscrew loop there. Uh, strangers in Paradise, right? Let's um, get into it. I feel like every week I just say, I, I loved it. What an absolute beautiful book, and I think you should read it. But, I mean, what else? I'm going to be Mark, okay? Well, that being said, I liked all your guys' points. But I didn't like it. There wasn't any Batman. That's right. Uh, no Booster Gold. To Mark's point. Sorry, R.I.P. Mark. Love you. Um, the what I question and what I and I, it's probably been gone over. So this is just me kind of uh, vocalizing the thoughts I have while reading this book. Why does like Terry Moore writes a strong female book? Uh, he seemed to do it in Echo. He definitely does it in Rachel Rising. And uh, Strangers in Paradise is very female-centric as well. I wonder if there's a reason for that. I wonder um, why he chooses to do that. And maybe it's because women are beautiful and they they deserve some of the limelight. I liked Strangers in Paradise. Mostly, like Jonesy said, it's kind of like a soap opera. There, it's pure. It was pure entertainment for me. Like I felt for the characters, but at the same time, it's like I was watching Three's Company... Or like even Scooby Doo, like some of the some of the reactions the characters have, or the fantasies, the the crazy uh, reactions uh, on their face, like totally cartoon them up to so it goes from like a extreme like serious love life issues to comical hijinks of uh, Janet and Terry and Chrissy. Uh, trying to cut off Jack's peener, you know, like it, it like runs a gamut, but it's an entertaining gamut. Like I don't want to discourage you by saying it's silly. it's silly, but it's not bad silly. It's not. I don't think it's meant to be taking taken super seriously, and you can kind of get that vibe when you're reading it. It's more like an entertaining show. But I, I mean, I really enjoyed the. I really enjoyed reading this, and and it was a quick read, and I loved. Uh, the angles that characters had. Kachu, uh loves Francine, obviously. Uh, she she would probably try to be with her in a second. Uh, Francine was holding out on her boyfriend for a whole year, I guess. I, I, it was my, my impression that they weren't together before that. And, and it, or are these guys like 20-somethings, 30-somethings? I, I would mean, say 20-somethings. Freddie like, seemed like a career guy. Okay, maybe. Um. But uh, he's, you know, he's, he's to the point where he's like begging, begging her for sweet love. And she's just withholding. She's got all the cards. You know what I mean? She's holding. And then he turns, out, card. he turns out to be a dog, you know, and he's porking women on his desk at work and whatever else. <laughs> porking. Uh, and, uh, I, but it was, I, I mean, I really love this book. And, and for four bucks in comiXology... It's well worth picking up just to check it out, at least the first volume. I, I'd love to read more. I wish we did volume two. Now, <laughs> now Dang that it, I read Slim. it. Uh, I, I started to You've read You've read volume, both? No, I have not read. I started to read volume two right after I finished volume one, but I got sidetracked. I wanted to keep reading to see you know, the hijinks mm-hmm. 
and you know what happened with these characters. I thought it, it felt like, you know, it did feel like a TV. It felt like someone's stories. It felt like like an entertaining show that you could check in with week to week, and just the the and the cartoony style of some of the scenes were hilarious and and amazing. You know, it, it felt like he could jump between a comic book style to a still animation, you know, of an animated character, like sitting on a tack and then they just like, they <laughs> jump up very animatedly and he could draw that with those characters, you know, quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Moore is, you know, he's, he's like an enigma with these stories. Like, how does he do it? He, he's, his art is amazing. He has mastered like the, the female character physically, mentally, emotionally. I don't know. He, he, that guy's a stud. He I don't can, know how he does it. And he could, I mean, he can give them all different personalities. Like, it's amazing how he can uh, be so consistent with everybody having their own personality. I mean, women, you know, they're women. You can't try to get inside their head. I dare you. Don't bother. You know I mean, you'll, you'll, Just don't you'll, even bother. You'll cry yourself to sleep at night. I yeah. wonder if Terry Moore was like the fourth child of a family that was all girls except for him, raised by a single mom. Mm. And he just mm-hmm. gets it because he lived it every day of his life. So he just, you know, gets out his frustration by drawing and writing comics about it. And mind you, I think this is probably all something we could figure out with a with a simple Google search. But it's so much. I'd funnier. rather not. It's so much funner to talk Dale. about this. No, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I want I wanted to go on and read number two as well. Is does this does this feature the same characters in number two, Slim, that, that you read? As far as I'm aware, it the whole series follows these two characters. Okay, okay. And it's, cool. I mean, it's seventeen volumes. I mean, Jeez. good heavens! I mean, if met, that's impressive. <laughs> that's so impressive. Like, and the fact that that lasted so long. When did this come out? When did this start? Like ninety three or something? That I well, read. We're I mean, just gonna have to leave it up to our imaginations. We're not gonna Google search it. Yeah, not, we have the intern is off tonight. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't know. I just think you guys should read this book like it's super entertaining and uh you know the the gamut that are like the the situations they find themselves in that go from super serious to comical like Ketchu was almost getting art in the jail cell by the corrupt policeman and then uh mm. you know and then she's making jokes about it and busting his teeth in like so it's serious but then him getting his teeth knocked out and stuff and like it's it, it reminded me of like how Roseanne would be able to shift from mm-hmm. comedy to drama like at the flip of a switch. Do you remember when I can't remember the names, but her daughter was dating the guy that's in uh Big Bang. What's the the Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. and his mother was like abusive to him, so Roseanne had enough and she came over and took him from the household and, and live with them. Like, like that's got, one of the greatest scenes in TV history. I just got chills because you're right. <laughs> like I don't remember, I never remembered Roseanne in the first couple seasons. Then it started getting real serious at times. Like yeah. when Jackie was being beat and Dan, Dan like beat the crap out of her boyfriend and, Holy crap! It's, is that on Netflix? I, we might have to just it might be do a, a Roseanne. Let's podcast. just stop the show right now. Remember when <laughs> her let's uh, just turn on Roseanne? Remember when one. her like her sandwich shop was robbed and <laughs> robbed? She was robbed at gunpoint. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember. Yeah, she became like an emotional wreck and she couldn't do anything. What a show Roseanne was! The Halloween episodes are so good too. Every I, year, I don't Terry Moore. How do you do it, Ro- Roseanne? <laughs> it's amazing. 
<laughs> no, Maybe but that was his inspiration. It was, it was the Roseanne TV show. I but, do have one note, if I could just jump in. Absolutely. Um, one thing Please. I thought was great was that every guy that was written in this volume was a complete J-bag. Like, they were all out to... Hard R, Kachu, or the guy, the, the guy with the mustache, the awesome yeah, like eighties mustache. That, like that's a nice the guy. thing. Oh, the the cop, cop at yeah. the end was the only decent right. man depicted in this volume, and the two girls are like, "That guy's kind of weird," and they're like, "Yeah, I thought so too." So like that just goes to show you like the tongue in cheek attitude to what you know how this volume is written. That every man is a jerk, and the yeah. one good guy seems out of place to all the main characters it's just mm. and it's just it was like an, it's like an, phenomenal and it, it harkens back to like an 80s comedy like porky's like it all revolves around sex and uh you know francine hangs it over freddie's head in the in the very end and and still freddie resorts back to after all he knows that she's uh she could be capable of and what he's obviously been burned by being called uh porkin you know it's still uh, a carrot on a stick for him, and it's just like totally predictable. Like she's just trying to going to blackmail him, and uh, I don't know. But I, I tell you, I loved reading it. I was so so entertained by it. Uh, I mean, maybe they have sex in volume eight. Who knows? Or 16, maybe he's dead or in volume three. Who knows? Maybe he gets run over by a steamroller in volume two. The, uh, I did think it was funny that the issue two opened up with the dream sequence of the neighbor, the horny perv neighbor. Like that was oh, yeah. out of nowhere when he was just like watching. And then the one scene where he was using his telescope to watch them and his wife calls in and he's just like, dro- like literally dro- frothing, <laughs> yeah. thinking of where they both were like, oh yeah, she's probably in her bedroom. And there's just like the water pouring from his mouth. Uh-huh. Oh my God, it was amazing. And and the wife is like drinking booze, like secretly <laughs> yeah, sneaking a drink. Yeah. So they all, everybody's got problems. Um, and the how about like it wasn't part of the dream se- it wasn't part of the dream sequence that she had like large caliber weapons yeah, grade yeah yeah she had like the she had like grenades and like you know uh trip mines yeah that was part of the dream sequence cuz i couldn't figure out when like the dream sequence started and ended like did it end i thought like he wasn't dreaming up until the point where she told she pulled his wife into it. And then I was like, oh, well, he's definitely dreaming that part. But the first part happened. Like, right. it, it was all left to the imagination, really. But I, I, I don't know. So, it was so fun, the book. I mean, and the, those depictions and the scenes where, I mean, uh, Kachu gets her butch friend, Dave or Debbie, I forget what her name oh, was, but yeah, the bodyguard. Yeah. Uh like that almost tipped the scales to all the situations being a fun book. Even when Francine freaks out in the park and takes her clothes off and then drives crazily naked to to Kachu's house and like gets in an accident. Like it's serious, but you can't but it's the heaviness isn't there because of the Three's Company esque mm-hmm. vibe that the whole series carries, and I wonder if that I, I I'd be curious since it went on so long if that writing style evolved at all, or if it was always that pacing with that comedy and the the characters' cartoony reactions at times, like sitting on attack and like that mm-hmm. kind of. Um, 
God, I want to. I want to read only, it all, but I don't. I have no idea when I would have time to finish reading all. You're just that. gonna have to take some X slack so you're in your office a little bit more. Get if you nine, follow my meaning. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. Will you get a, a 99 cent sale over there? And uh, I'll uh, see what I can. do. I'll rattle a few cages. See if we can talk to Chip Moge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, strangers in paradise. I think it's a win. We got your letters. I'm gonna I'm open, open them up. Farrington's gonna Dale. read them to, to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, we want to hear from you. You know, friends of the show. You know, what's on your mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did Dale do last week to upset you? <laughs> Uh, who did he insult? What kind of you know little person or what no. ethnic group did he upset for jokes? And uh, you know we'll read it on the air. It's for comedy, all right. We I started getting into it last week. Uh, first one up is by our boy Seth Breeds Love. Does his own podcast at the uh, Ancillary Characters. Just celebrated their hundredth episode, so uh, check that out and. Uh, we wish them congratulations and, uh, or, or no, was it a one year? I think it was their one year anniversary, 100th episode. That's us. Where's my, <laughs> where's your head, Dale? Anyway, uh, many more years to come, Seth. Congrats. Uh, guys, suggest some Claremont for me to check out Beyond Dark Phoenix and Days of Future Past. I've read them both, and while I could appreciate the storytelling and the gorgeous burn art, couldn't get past the plotting caption boxes and thought bubbles. I'm not saying Wolverine. I hated the books, but I just couldn't get into it. Is there some hidden Claremont gem that'll bring me over to your side? By the way, Jonesy's anguished cry when Mark initially claimed to hate the Dark Phoenix saga may be my favorite moment on the show. Loop that with a beat and you'll have the pop hit of 2013. <laughs> That's true. When I remember specifically in my brain when Jonesy first like guffawed. At, uh, it was the noise. What was, what was, I don't even remember it. I don't remember it either, and I made it. You, it was it was like like it was but it was all by himself it was it was great sounds like it was drowning in a toilet listen i'll tell you something about chris claremont tell him Wolverine. i think i think seth might be a lost cause first of all if he didn't like the dark phoenix saga as dale puts it or uh, days of future past i want to tell you something life death if I oh, have to talk so about this book one more time on this show, I'm, I might have to put the golden embargo that's on myself. It. There you go for life, death. After this episode, keeping it honest. literally one of the greatest Chris Claremont written works in the history of his life. You want to talk about Barry Windsor Smith art? Get out of here! I mean, the whole issue is just Forge and Storm talking about love, their life, each other. I mean, just get off. I mean, ugh. It's not available digitally, legally, my friend. I have my print copy from uh, our show sponsor, the comic book shop in Delaware. But it can also be found in, in those Marvel Essential you know, newspaperbacks, whatever the hell you call those things. Find it immediately. There's also, some, there's also a great, another Barry Windsor Smith issue of Wolverine and Yukio. Or uh, no, it's not Yukio. It's Yuriko, Lady Deathstrike, um, with a little girl and Wolverine, which is also f- phenomenal. 
I do right. not. I think I have that in my long box somewhere. I'll, I'll, Seth Breed's love. I'll get you the number of that issue, please. I'll get it for you. But look, after this, Seth, I mean, I just don't think he's probably not your bag. If if the two gems that uh, we I, we read and you read already on the show, Slim's giving you these. But after that, I just don't think it's going to happen, Seth, man. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, mate, and it's fine. You know, it's fine. Wolver- uh, Wolverine, Jonesy said, the first limited series. Oh, my God, that's so good. Just every up. Wolverine thought bubble is some of the best lines in comic book history. Uh, hey, fellas. I think Bad Boy Dale's hatred of little people has been repaid in full <laughs> when he had an intern practice cauterizing his little people. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. The flap. The flap. Check the flap. it out. The flap. Also, technically, isn't Jonesy the fifth most favorite member if you include Beth Corto? <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> we all are, letter writer. Uh, we might yeah, put okay. that as our show description in uh, iTunes. <laughs> are you guys picking up Revival? Number six came out this week or last. I think a trade just hit the racks, too. I like it. I can't remember if you talked about it on the podcast. Your pal Tim, P.S., when is Dale starting a D&D podcast? PPS, Jonesy loves this email. <laughs> Tim, friend of the show, Tim. Revival is pretty good. I, I have been reading it, but I haven't read the most recent issue for some reason. But I and look forward to it. I, I uh, sadly only read the first issue. I hear good things about it. Uh, and it just haven't uh, came to buy the, the the other five issues yet i got i pick up like 45 books in a month so mm. it just so happens revival hasn't been one of them he um, can't be bothered with you tim is what he's trying to get you know, tim don't you dare else. ever believe a word out of that gd <laughs> mouth of his the snake yeah. mouth <laughs> God. as for dale starting a D podcast uh i would love jonesy and i have talked about it profusely you're probably referring to me because of my incessant twittering about D as of late i would love to it uh, it may happen, you know. It may not always be be about D and D. Could be about a myriad of things. Mm-hmm. Did I you just pick a show name look. yet? That's that's the thing that kicks it off. Once you have a show name, it's a great after back. that, right? And that's what it's a lot of pressure. There's yeah. a lot of pressure out there to pick a good name. I'll give you Jonesy's top three picks, and Jonesy's right now. and and okay. Slim's our toughest audience. So impressing him is with it. Jonesy's top three picks. One through three, the Jonesy Loves Beer show starring Jonesy and Dale. <laughs> I think that's his, those are his top three picks. I can feel it. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I love it. That was one title. Uh, they were the same. One through three. Those are your top three picks. Uh, they, were all, they were all the same pick. What else, what else do we have, Dale? Uh, we got another letter here. Uh, hey, team. I've been listening to you guys since the Sword Book Club and have mm. caught every episode since. I've interacted with you all a bit on Twitter, but this is my first letter. I know Dale and Jonesy are vocal alcohol enthusiasts, so here's my question for the group. What is your favorite adult beverage, and what superhero do you think would be a good spokeswoman or man for that drink? Hmm. Keep up the awesome work on the podcast at Elsora Gigante on the Twitter. He's a good guy. That was a good question. That is a good question. Also, the sword was a... A, a fantastic book. I think that's mm. one that Dale hated and wanted. He wanted to wipe his rear with that and, and flush that down his toilet. I mean, my septic system is just floating with pages of the sword <laughs> trade. It, uh, yeah. I mean, he drew. They drew every individual tooth in their head. 
the sword cut through people's heads like butter. It was just the a book terrible, was so terrible book. Great. It's a great book. Don't listen to this guy. Please. I remember staying up all night to finish it. That's yeah. after I read the first volume. Yeah. Listen to Jonesy. This you is pre baby. This is pre baby. On, sca- on Scalp, too. Get his oh, opinion on that. Best book on the planet. <laughs> El Sora Gigante, thank you for that, for the kind words. And uh, so, guys, what is it? Your favorite adult beverage and what comics related uh, superhero, woman or man? I guess it doesn't have to be a superhero, but we're just we'll just go comics related because comics comic uh, superheroes don't really endorse adult beverages, you know. That's yeah, not anymore. Uh, you know, Stella Artois mm. is my go-to alcoholic beverage. Who would be the one to serve me that drink? Maybe Miss America Chavez and Kate Bishop simultaneously. Kate Bishop, uh... and they would bring me that beer, and we would just play darts all night and just guffaw together. Dale? Jonesy, you want to go, or you want you still thinking? I could see myself. You have to pick one. Having a, I know, it's tough. A Tullamore Dew, Irish whiskey with Invincible, uh, with a couple whiskey stones. Mm. With whiskey stones, who would I drink it with? Or who would be the spokesperson? Who spokesperson? would be the spokesperson? Who would be the spokesperson? Uh, I can't. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Writer, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Not officially unpublished, fanfic aficionado. Hmm. Uh, who could promote Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey? Banshee. There you go. Oh, wow! You're going straight ethnic. <laughs> I did. I want. The, I want the easy route, folks. Um, I would probably go. Hmm. It's a t- this is probably, uh, I'm going to go uh, Victory Brewing Company's Prima Pills. Mm. That is my uh, go-to brew. That's my one. I, I love my scotch and all that, but Prima Pills is the beer I would go with. And, mm. Mm, boy, you know, I'm quick to go. Uh, if he wasn't su- such a, uh, a dirtbag, Mason Savoy, I mean, the guy's classy. The guy Spoilers. is class. Spoilers, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I shouldn't just forget I said anything about that at all. I'm like 50 issues behind on Chew, okay? You know, I would go uh, The Shade. Yeah, that guy, man. Wow. That guy's been there and done that. He probably, and I think he would appreciate, uh, you know, the the art of uh, craft brew and the struggle that, local brewers go through to fight against the big man, the big the big guys, you know? Hmm. He'd be pro he'd be pro uh brewery, is what you're saying. The he, shadow. I think he would be. Small brewery yeah. supporting local brews and yeah. absinthe probably guys nuts. Uh and we also got uh tail end curtailing at the end of the show, Ramston on the Twitter. I just called him uh he's asking me if I'm gonna ask answer his question that he asked last week, uh is my dream team writer and artist on which book? Oof. Maybe save it for the fireside. Yeah, I'm going to need that time. Need My it. heart goes out to Ramson's family. Uh, he just died trying to play the phenomenal drinking game. And uh, <laughs> send him your prayers, folks. What a show. Uh, thanks again for everybody who spreads the word about the show. You know, it helps, uh, it helps people discover it. 
You know, if it's if it's their bag. Yeah, we appreciate that a lot. We we see rogue tweets about it. Uh, your iTunes reviews help. Subscribing in iTunes help, even if you don't use iTunes to listen. Play the drinking game at home and don't die next time with Jonesy Loves Beer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody next week. Columbus. not the lyrics anyway i know writer artist combo god gvp of merch you piece of work ramsden to bring that up in my face (laughs) one more time oh my god running out of time i know i know okay so i gotta i'm gonna go bendis because he's easy like sunday morning and he fits me fits my (laughs) like glove my small eight and a half shoes like a slipper your baby feet <laughs> <laughs> look all right i didn't doll shoes i didn't have a choice in the matter all right vp of baby shoes <laughs> bail underscore a Bronzed. do you share do you and reed and and grayson just share the same shoes i wish mine are a little wider unfortunately so i can't <laughs> wear the cool uh shell toes or whatever right know, these other kids are wearing that's okay um artist i would Ooh, my goodness. Malieve. Say Malieve. Yeah, I I would don't say it because you're my brother. That's what I'd Don't I listen do. to him at all. Um Yeah, I'm I mean I'm gonna have to go oh my god. But see I think I might have squeaked it out. I Bachelo and Bendis, which is uh on the book. Oh yeah. The book. Mm. <laughs> I would uh, like to see more Bachelot and Spider-Man, but I can't wait to see him on Uncanny X-Men. Spider-Man would be my pick, though. Bachelot yeah. and Spider-Man was just like... Oh, uh, uh, dy- total dynamite. Absolute Jay, dynamite. My Bachelot J-guards were just... <laughs> I mean, it was like storming. It was uh, Hurricane Force J. <laughs> it was an uh, F- that was a J-5... I'm Bill Paxton. Bachelot is Helen Hunt, and we're just going. We're just going at it. <laughs> did anyone have any rebuttals from the lightning round? We did not. No rebuttals this week. Short show. I did. Um, I was curious. How you like it, Slim? Mm. I liked your uh, thoughts on Superior Two, Jonesy. Uh, I th- but I think the uh, the issues were written far before backlash. I don't know. I. That final page, but where, it d- spoilers, everybody, spoilers, where Carly gets the first notion that there was a switch, I would have thought would have come much further down the line than it did in issue two of, of a new series branded on the premise that the two of them had switched bodies. Talking and about I, I wonder if it's because... You know, that there was such a fan outcry. and I mean, it felt like everybody in the mother was like, oh, this is bad. I'm just going to drop the book. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, nobody wanted to give it a shot, you know? I mm. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And maybe, like, that beautiful Spidey editorial staff, you know, recognize that right up front. Um, but, I, I mean, all the while, Slot has been saying, just trust, in, trust me, you know, I've been... I've been doing. I've been writing my favorite character for years now. I would never do anything to jeopardize. I, I mean, I don't know. I, but I do. It is a a point to consider because that's like their one of their flagship books. They can't. Yeah, they can't. They can't mess up Spider Man, and and that's the problem. I mean, with big titles like that, you can't. You almost can't play with it or make it different because there's such a, a clamoring from the status quo from people that don't like change versus being real fans of the character and and what the stories can do, that they just piss and moan about it all day on the internet and everybody freaks out and they try to get back to the status quo and we get stale stories. And you know what? People talk what they trash what they want about Dan Slott, but you know what? That was a, a beasy move mm-hmm. to do. And he did it and he pulled it off and now nobody likes it. Everybody wants to S in their own cereal and eat it and complain about it. My God. Like that. Sorry. You know, you know who really has their panties in a twist? Like is that, that Police Academy movie. Is that uh, <laughs> AC podcast. I, I listened to a few minutes of that, and there was, there was a lot of disgruntledness happening about the, the series ending at number 700. Not just what happened, but just that it was ending at 700, the ending, mm. air quotes, air of quotes. the series. I don't know. Alan yeah. Boone is trying to find out Dan Slott's home address. They're obviously going to bring. They're, they're going to come back to seven hundred. You know, it's just yeah, of course it, they're going to come oh, back yeah, to Amazing Spider Man, yeah. just like Fantastic Four. I mean, it's going to happen. We know the the you know the tricks of the industry. I mean, everybody just you know. I mean, if you didn't exist, if you didn't exist on the internet, and you just read Spider Man month to month. I'm anxious to hear what people would think of it. If they didn't have to buy into the mm-hmm. hype, they didn't have to read the USA Today articles, they don't have to follow Dan Slott's yeah. Twitter, hype machine, retweet machine, passive-aggressive retweet machine. Gun control I mean, machine. You might you might love the S out of Superior Spider-Man, the storyline. I could just picture a world where I call Dale on my cordless phone, and he picks the extension up off the wall while he's doing the dishes, mm-hmm. and we just gab about Superior Spider-Man, how great it is. What an amazing world that would be, where we wouldn't have just this internet cesspool of comics. I that wish exists. that world would happen. I dishes, folks. Uh, I'm just glad not, you know, nothing happened with MJ. We were all worried that she was going to get the hard R, <laughs> and before Otto got a chance to uh, ask if... Uh, she was going to back that thing up, or if he should push up on it, uh, you know, it was nipped in the bud. <laughs> how annoyed! How can you imagine what Steve Wacker had to go through, like when he just went off on everybody that like week when it came out? Like he knew that nothing was going to happen, but he just had to put up with those dummies that think that uh, Doctor Octopus is just going to go ahead and rape Mary Jane Watson and Spider Man every month. Get the hell out of here! What? What? what God, those people are so stupid. I, I I don't know how he does it. Well, um, if I'm not mis, well, it's it's a, it wasn't R and it was a good R, but uh, there was an issue in the past couple of years where Chameleon uh, took the visage of <laughs> Peter Parker and uh, laid into his uh, roommate Michelle Rodriguez, and I felt very uncomfortable reading that. Like he slid up in it, and that was not cool. <laughs> Not I mean, cool. 
also Doctor uh, Norman Osborn had sex with Gwen Stacy, and they had twins. I mean, that's that's fact. That that's happened. True. Gwen Stacy had kids with Norman Osborn. I don't know if Wacker was editing at that time, but I would hope not. No, <laughs> Jones, I mean you look visibly uncomfortable. Just me bringing it up. Uh, they they had kids, Jonesy, and they grew up it. into adults and tried to fight Spider Man. As their want to do. You know, oh, God. Can we put a golden embargo on want to do from this show? <laughs> drink, oh, that's the first drink, episode drink, I even drink. said it. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. <laughs> We're all dead. The first episode uh, this week. J- J- JMS. I had read the JMS. I can't remember if JMS wanted. He wrote that storyline, but I had read that somebody wanted it to be that Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy had kids and they were whisked away and then grown into adults using genetics of some kind. But I think that story got vetoed. I, 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 I wish God. I remembered who the, who vetoed that. But what, what the what kind of world we'd be living if that was the case? JMS wanted that story though, right? He wanted the culmination of his story arc to be the return of Gwen Stacy, and editorial was like, "That's the, the one character we're not going to bring back." I think JMS feels uh, refills his refillable pencil with farts instead of lead, so it doesn't matter what JMS does. JMS has the visage of farts in his face, I think. Exactly. He puts on the visage of uh, fart man. VP of visage. Visages. Uh, What a a show. Do we have anything else to bring up? Just the wing column. Mm, Yeah, we have to bring that up. You know. Uh, The way Jonesy's shaking his cherub-like head, I mean, (laughs) this was really... We really pulled through on this one, gentlemen. The three of us can do... This is the slow head shake of love that I have in mm-hmm. this episode. Mm. I mean, it's it's just obvious that we're the greatest podcast ever made. I would like to think that as well. Yeah. And mm. uh, now we got people watching uh, on YouTube, commenting on our uh, awkward, f- awkward faces, and of course Slim's 1080p. Perf- yeah, this perfection. is the test. We'll see if the 1080p translate at all. I don't think it. I mean, it looks Did you like move 1080. To the bathroom because you have the best Wi-Fi signal in there. No, I'm testing this new mic for something else that I'm associated with. Another podcast you want to plug? Go ahead. I'm, I'm not a new mic, a new webcam, and it's 1080p. But Google Hangout, what does it look like to you, Jonesy? Does it look clearer? It does. No? It does. Right. It does. The only time you kind of pixelate. I guess is when I have Dropbox running in the background. Oh, what are you doing? Whoa, so what? You're, uh, you're downloading like movies or all something? All the while you have right Dropbox syncing? Is is that bad? <laughs> Bandwidth. Are you wireless right now, Jonesy? I'm Wi Fi it up, baby. Oh, my Christ. word. I mean, what do you think this is? This is episode, episode this one is, of Paper Cut? <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, this Look, is. We're 86 in. Is this, uh, Don't is this do anything up? now. You're going to like <laughs> cut yourself off. <laughs> This yeah. is, what is this? Uh, paper keg tinkers with uh, the thought of doing a, a, a podcast, a professionally produced show. No wonder you've been. No wonder you've been like looking like a VHS tape this entire <laughs> thing. I wish Spark was here to take the brunt of something. <laughs> uh, you're the worst. 